Terraforming Mars from Stronghold Games is one of the biggest games in previous years, and they are getting ready to release their fifth expansion, Turmoil. This expansion includes new corporations, new projects, and new types of cards. At the heart of this expansion is the political arena of the Terraforming Committee. A new action allows players to add delegates to different parties. Then the party with the most delegates becomes the dominant party, allowing some in-game bonuses. Turmoil, the exciting new expansion to Terraforming Mars, will be out soon in stores to find out more go check out strongholdgames.com hey y'all it's time for rolling dice and taking names seventh anniversary episode today marty and tony review fire the city and cities skylines they also end the year with another flying squirrels why do you keep scratching I think it's that seven-year itch. Gross. Hello, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 188. That's 188. We built this city. I'm Tony. <laughs> number one. Uh, this is Marty. You kind of caught me off guard because I didn't think you were ready to go yet. And then all of a sudden you started talking. It's like, oh, I guess we're starting. So, yay, yeah. we're here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've been waiting on you for, I had to leave my, my, my neighborhood social committee meeting. By the way, thank you to all those who have wished me well with the house journey. Um, we are T minus three weeks from having, I've got to pack up all the games again, Marty. I, I'm dying. So wait a minute. What, where are you being put up? Oh, and, and, oh, uh, just to catch everybody yeah, up catch real quick, up. D- do a too long, did not listen last episode, go. All right, for those of you who did not listen, I have to move out of my house so they can level my floors because if you put a marble at my front door, it could almost roll to my back or it would go over a bunch of speed humps because they had to jack up my house to put support under the load-bearing walls because <laughs> they forgot to put those in in the house and they also forgot to put the piers under the house to, to support the load-bearing walls. Therefore, they're having to rip, take me out of the house and I'm sending me to residency in for approximately four to six weeks weeks so i've never been to a residence in is it residency or residence in residency i assume there's a kitchen right there's a kitchen and there's a well living room air quotes inserted here and a bedroom so what are you supposed to do with all of your stuff do you get to leave it in the house you got to move it out uh they're hiring movers and the movers are coming to take all the stuff out of the house and and box it all up and they're, so they're coming in to pack all that up. But anything that we want to protect, which always gives you a warm fuzzy, if it's a valuable thing, you might want to pack it yourself. What, what kind of movers are you hiring? Are what guys who are going to be shooting basketball shots over into the styrofoam and slamming them into boxes? I don't know what they're doing. But they said, if you want to move it, if you want to protect your valuables, and my games are valuable. Yes, they are. I have to pack them up again. But actually, I'm not going to move them. I'm just going to put them upstairs. And the reason why I'm doing that is... I'm kind of embarrassed. I'd I'd hate for a bunch of movers come in and look at those games. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? What is going on here, you know? So, yes, but thank you to everyone who wished me well on that adventure. And uh, not like the lawnmowers, we'll, I'll follow up with some statuses here and coming to you. The best thing is I get a free breakfast whenever we get there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Honey, I'm going downstairs for breakfast. That's it. I don't have to cook my eggs anymore. I'm going downstairs. And my gym membership is free. So. <laughs> you got a pool? Well, is it an indoor pool there? It's an outdoor pool. 
Oh, okay. And you won't be there when it's when it's open this spring. <laughs> it's like a vacation for a month. Do they uh, come in every day and clean your room, or is uh, that is I, that once a week? Or I think for long stays, it's every week. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. So. What you're saying is the next time we record, you're going to be inside of a hotel room and Donna will be sitting there staring at you while you record and do uh, this? Uh, well, no, she'll be in the living room and I'll be in the bedroom to record. Oh, okay, okay. And see, that's something else. I've got to make sure I pack up all this beautiful recording stuff because, you know, I can't forget it. So I've got to get all that pick, packed up, ready to go as well. Gotcha. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate that. That is, that is, I tell you, to be honest with you, once the house is done, y'all just put it on the market and leave because they're fixing this for free. So they may not get it right again. Well, we will have one of the best foundations in the neighborhood, which is fine. I mean, I appreciate them coming back. I really do. I appreciate them coming back. They screwed up. There's nothing to appreciate. They shouldn't have to be doing it in the first place. But I look at it like this. I'm the fourth one they're having to do this to. So practice makes perfect. Does that not tell you these people who are coming in here to do it? And remember, not getting paid to do it may not just screw up something else. Well, the contractors are getting paid, but you're right. They're they're not the house builder. So maybe they're bringing in the sub subpar contractors. I don't know. <laughs> Guaranteed, these aren't going to be your high-end contractors. They're having to come in and pay to do this. I'm excited to be moving out. No, not really at the first of the year, but how is Vanessa's finger? That's more important. I saw the x-rays. For those of you who didn't know, Marty's wife unfortunately had her finger broke, and he talked all about it and made me squimish through the entire first part of episode number 187. I really don't Squimish? Want you mean squeamish? That too. And I just, I don't want to hear about it again. So for those of you who want to hear about it, go back and listen to 187 because I don't want to sit here and just go, ooh, ooh, God, ooh. So she broke her finger at school. We'll leave it there. And yes, if you want to go to our Instagram page, Dyson Names, I showed some before and after pictures, some x-rays of her uh, right ring finger that was broken. And then after they put two screws in it to put the, the bones back. Together. And were those number four screws? I have no idea. They were very, very tiny screws. <laughs> I actually was going to ask the doctor if I could watch because I wanted to see how they how they did this. Uh, they made an incision on top and then had to cut the tendon right down oh, the God. middle. Oh. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting. It's, it's mechanical engineering. It's, it's physics here because the bones were broke and it was at an angle and they slipped a little bit such that when she, if she didn't fix it, when she rotate her finger in, mm -hmm. the finger would not rotate normally as it should. And it would rotate. If you made her fist, the ring finger would end up underneath the pinky as opposed up down against the palm. And that's why he said, well, we need to go in there and fix this. Otherwise you'll never be able to make a complete fist again. She's like, well, yeah, let's get this done. So she went in there, she got it done. Absolutely no problems whatsoever. She Excellent. came out, except she's having a allergic reaction to something. So the next night after the surgery, she's having a reaction and I'm in there playing on the computer and she's like, I think my throat's closing up. We need to go somewhere. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. All right, let's get in the car. So we go to urgent care and we go in there and we go in there. Okay, uh, sign in. So we sign in, have a seat and we'll be with you in a second. And I said, um, my wife says she's having an allergic reaction to something and her throat's closing up. Oh, then you better come on back right now. So they brought us straight back there. A doctor came in and looked at her and said, well, I don't think it's a, it's an anaphylactic. Anaphylactic reaction. shock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She said, it's not that. 
So what he did, let's let's go ahead and take care of this. We'll give you a, a steroid shot, mm. a Pepsid and a Benadryl, basically. A bunch of antihistamines. And as soon as they did... Uh, she kind of uh, calmed down. The reaction started going away, w- which was good. The thing is, though, we never found out. He never could determine what the reaction was to. Obviously, it was an allergic reaction to something. She couldn't think of anything that she ate or anything that was that was a little different. But what was interesting was later, uh, he said, I want you to stay around for about an hour. Make sure that everything's okay. So about 45 minutes in, a nurse comes in with another shot and a pill and says, okay, we're going to give you a shot and a pill. And I said, a shot of what? And they said, a steroid. And I said, well, they just gave a steroid 45 minutes ago. And the nurse said, yeah, the doctor says we're going to give another one. I said, really? And I said, what's the pill? She said, it's a Pepsid. I said, well, she's already had a Pepsid. And she goes over to the little screen. She starts typing up, you know, type on there. She says, what is, what is her name? She said, my name is Vanessa. And she went, yeah, you're supposed to get this shot. And I said, are you sure about this? <laughs> and she said, hold on. I'm going to go talk to the doctor and okay, verify yeah. it. So about 30 seconds later, she comes in. She says, oh my gosh, it's not for you. It's for the patient in the room next to you who's having an aller- allergic reaction. I'm sort of thinking, oh my gosh, you were going to give medicine to her. that well, She's already had that'd have been two steroid shots. That could have been not fatal, but that could have messed you up having two shots of steroid like that. And she was like fighting with us. No, she's supposed to take the shot. And we're like, are you sure? So it was kind of scary that there's not a better system of checks and balances in there for that not to happen. I think back to our colonoscopies. But I remember, you know, they check my wristband. They ask me a name. What's your name? They check my wristband. Then they go check the computer. So that's unusual that they didn't have a good check and balance there. So what was interesting is when she left, she left the computer up. So I decided to go over there and look at the screen. And basically I had all the other people that are in the facility at that time. HIPAA would not appreciate that being left on the screen, but I'm sitting there reading it and come to find out there's another person in there that's being treated for an allergic reaction. And her name is Victoria. And my wife's name is Vanessa and we think she was just reading the wrong name. Are they on the same line? Or, I mean, below each other? They were below yep. each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, the, the surgery went great. She's been dealing with this kind of a, allergic reaction. She's going to be going to the physical therapy starting this week. And now she's going to t- it's going to be months of physical therapy to get her uh, finger working again. Mm. And it's her ring finger, people. It's her ring finger. For those of you who said, give Marty the middle finger. No. <laughs> it's the ring. But the bad thing is it's on her dominant hand. So now she's having to learn to do everything left-handed. And for those who may have listened to the show before, you know we go all out with Christmas decorations around here. Yeah, you know? Donna asked me about that. She did. She literally asked me. She said, is Marty actually having to do something this year? I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He does stuff. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> not as much as she does. So over the weekend, yes, I've been hanging ornaments. I've been wrapping garland around banisters. I've been putting lights on the garland. I've been putting garland on the top of the cabinets with lights wrapped. I've been doing a lot and it makes me appreciate everything she has done because she's typically done that by herself in the past. And I, I need to be helping her more often, but yes, the, the house still has, oh my gosh, how many trees? Hold on. One, two, three, 18, four, isn't five, it? six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15? 
I was thinking it was one year you got there, up to 18. Yeah, there may be only like 15 this year because, you know, it would maybe just not have time to put up the rest. Well, that's because she had to go to the backup to decorate the house. And- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, oh, but it's it's been a it's been a whirlwind. And the bad thing about this is Tony, between the holidays and your situation and Vanessa's finger and stuff, you and I have not had a chance to sit down face to face in well over two weeks and play a game. So now we were trying to plan out this episode. It's like, what the heck are we going to talk about? Because we haven't had any games to play together. Oh, I know. It's it's all about the time. I mean, it's a good thing we've not been able to get to a f- few or to one, actually. That's why I've always told you, man, we need to hold these in reserve. Put certain games in reserve and bring them out. You know how you always have that in the fuel tank there? And we're doing that tonight. And luckily, Adam is going to join me for a quick five-minute initiative on cities, uh, City Skylines, which is a board game based on a video game. And what's interesting about that is he's played a lot of that video game, so I can get his opinion on like how well it translates. And then I'm going to do a five-minute initiative on a new game from Stronghold Games called Fire, mm-hmm. which is a solo game that kind of plays like Galaga or Galaxian. It's like an arcade shooter. Interesting. That sounds kind of mm-hmm. cool. Okay, so I'll have to pay attention when you're talking about that. When I, li- Oh, that's right. You get to do the show notes because I'm going on vacation. Oh, great. So that means you're going to be on vacation when we have to draw names for the contest that just wrapping up as this episode ends? That's correct. You'll have to be doing that. That's right. Or you can wait for me to do it when I get back. Because, I mean, we have the survey going on presently. It hasn't closed out yet. And it's and so what you're saying is it's closing out when this episode ends? What are you saying? Correct. Here? Okay. Yeah. We well. Yeah. When this episode, not when this episode ends. When this episode drops is the last day of the uh, contest, and we'll be drawing names. And Tony, we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to give away uh, over the past couple of weeks. We've we've been reaching out to some people, and uh, publishers have been super generous uh, with supporting. Let, let me just do a quick list of the stuff that we're giving away: two copies of Pulsar twenty eight forty nine, which Ooh. is a game we covered and loved. Love that game. Yep. Mm, good game. That's a question. Six copies of that. And that's the the one with the <laughs> squirrel on it. We got to do that. Yeah, I still have that one on my shelf. Miniature Market's donating four to five $25 gift certificates. There you go. A game that I still have to uh, learn to play that you have from Haba, Valley of the Kings. Oh, that you and I, I was so hoping that we would have gotten to play that. It's a kid's game, but... If it's you, me, Mark, and Nate, or oh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. If it's you, me, Fred, and Barney, mm-hmm. that we are going to have a blast with that game. Absolutely blast. I can't wait to get that on the table with us. Uh, Habba's also giving away Adventureland, Ooh. Empires of the North from Portal Games, and they just announced uh, an expansion just came out for uh, Japanese Islands, mm-hmm. and today they just announced a Roman themed expansions is going to be coming out in Q1 for Empires of the North. Excellent. What else we got? Anything? Two copies of Imp- Imperial Settlers Roll and Write. Okay. A copy of Marvel Champions from FFG. What? Say what? I know. And the big grand prize, and this is thanks to our buddy Bruce at over North Star Games. They're giving away an essentials bundle. Listen to everything that's in here. Evolution Climate with the Climate Mat. Quacks mm. of Quadlinburg, the taverns of whatever Rodney said on the last episode, Tiffenthal, <laughs> Tiefenthal. I was going to say, why don't you just insert him again? The taverns of Tiefenthal. Wits and Wagers, 
Say Anything, and Happy Salmon. So one person is going to win that entire North right, Star that's Games a solid bundle. bundle. Uh, climate is one of my, Evolution Climate is one of my favorite games. You heard us in 187 Taverns. Can't wait to get that back on the table. You weren't a big fan of Quacks. I've never gotten to play it, but I've got to play Wits and Wagers, and we'll talk about that when you get done with this. I'm done. <laughs> So he's done, but but if you have not What's up yet, for a transition? There you go. Well, let's transition back to the survey. If you have not had the opportunity to fill out the survey because life has gotten in your way as well, and we understand that here, we really would appreciate any honest or non-honest feedback. Um, any feedback's always good. It'll get you into the con, uh, contest to win one of these fabulous surprise. They're not surprises anymore. I was hoping they'd be surprised, but prize packages. Uh, go out there, fill out that survey. That's one way to do it. Another way is to be a member of our guild over at BGG number 1589. You can like us on Facebook. If you still do that Facebook thing, you can follow us on the Twitter account and you can also follow us on the, our Instagram account. And both of those are at Dyson names, by the way, for those of you who didn't realize it, Marty is posting more to Dyson names. So that's why there may be some confusion as to why there's not as many food pictures as there used to be with me posting like big bags of chips, stuff full of air and things like that. Just want to let y'all know that. Okay. So you got until this episode comes out on the 17th. You got till midnight and that's when my flight lands. So Marty, if you want to pull names after I get home on midnight. Okay. That sounds good. You'll be long asleep. You'll be dead (laughs) asleep. Don't even go there with me. So wits and wagers. I got to play that over Thanksgiving with uh, friends of ours. And normally the old wits and wagers that I had was the one where you would put it across the betting mat. You know, this pays two to one, this pays three to one, things like that. Well, I broke out the party version. Have you played the party version yet? Uh, I have not. The the big difference with the party version and wits and wagers is that what you've got to do, you you only have two chips to bid on, and there's no two to one, three to one odds. There's no odds in it. So everybody's writing down their answers, and they put them out on the table. It's still the same concept. Person that's closest without going over is the correct answer. If you've never played wits and wagers, these are questions that you will probably not have a clue on how they're doing. So I don't know. So we were like, um, how many steps are in the Empire State Building? You played this with Chaz. Didn't Chaz do a, a series with you on this? Uh, he, yeah, he may have. What we did was uh, at one of the conventions, uh, we opened up and asked some of the questions from that that version of it. Personally, I enjoyed this a lot more than the old version because I'm not having to worry about the math of two mm. to one, three to one. Also, you're only allowed until the last round to bid with your two main chips. All right. You can't add more chips to it. It's easier. Right. I felt it to be more competitive. Other people didn't like it. They felt the, the gamblers in the group were like, ah, I don't know if I like this, you know, because they wanted to be able to test the odds, you know, try to beat the odds and, and catch up. There was no, if you kept screwing up, there was no catch up mechanic for them. And I was like, okay, I can understand that. But personally for me, I was like, this. it was flowing a lot faster. It was a lot quicker. I wasn't having to dole out a whole bunch of chips, make change, do all that garbage. This was a quick, fast wits and wagers game. Everybody enjoyed it, so I had a lot of fun. Did you get to do anything over Thanksgiving? Uh, No. <laughs> 
Well, I know you've in our last episode, Bob joined you. Yeah, we did. Played that game. Yeah, everything we did I, over Thanksgiving, I talked about in the uh, last episode, which was that uh, an arc game of Arkham Horror Third Edition and Miyabi. That was pretty much it. That was it. Wow. Like I said, and since then, I haven't played one game. It's just been crazy around here just just crazy with every, everything going on so that's why i feel bad about this episode then people will go well you guys don't really talk about games anyway so this shouldn't be a big deal i mean won't you tell us about the lawnmower or something i actually the lawnmower is put away for the season i just finished mm-hmm. getting up the uh, using the bagger and getting up the leaves for the last time so it's done it's put away thank goodness oh guess what what i broke mine how'd you break yours <sighs> when i was using it for the last season i jammed the wheel against the curve i somehow bent it i didn't break it but i did bend it oh does it still work though yeah it still rolls i just need to either get a sledge out and straighten it out or order a part so that's the thing but have you seen the farmer's uh insurance commercial with the count on it you mean the we are farmers that one and he's got all the sesame street characters yes i have seen that one yes but have you seen the one with the count Yes, but I can't remember what the what he did. His lawnmower gets hit by lightning. Oh, oh, oh really? Oh, oh. Have you not? Se- okay, there'll be a link in the show notes that Marty will insert to that farmer's YouTube video because I've already verified it's there. So he's going to have to remember that now. He's got. Ah, I've only got to make you do it. <laughs> like I'm going to remember that. Okay, but yeah, his his lawnmower gets hit struck by lightning and it has to be repaired under his home insurance. See. Sesame Street, lawnmowers, it all goes hand in hand. Exactly right. And yet we have nothing to talk about, but we've already wasted peop- 20 minutes of <laughs> 20 people's minutes time. Of pe- <laughs> so I was thinking about this. <laughs> so Vanessa's big into Hallmark movies, uh, especially Christmas time. She is big into Hallmark Christmas movies. And I'm sitting here watching this stuff, and she admits this stuff is bad. I mean, it's it's poorly written. It's not produced very well. It's extremely predictable. You know exactly what's going to happen once you start. These two people are going to fall in love. I mean, it's there. And and typically, it's people that's kind of like has-beens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like their career is kind of at the end, and you end up on the Hallmark Channel. And yet, we can't. We end up watching it because it's like, I said, Vanessa, why is this on? It's just background noise. Something, something put on. I just kind of watch it here and there. I went, holy crap. RDTN is the Hallmark Christmas Movies, the board game podcast. That's exactly right. We are, and we own that. <laughs> Jeez. We're poorly written and produced. We're totally predictable. We're has-beens. <laughs> we're beyond our prime. And we're just background noise, just kind of back there in the back. And people may tune in every once in a while to see what's going on. But they know exactly what's going to happen. Yes, they do. They know the first 20 minutes, we're going. they can really tune us out, catch a few <laughs> games here at the end. <laughs> If they want to, and then find out what's in the outro as we push some products on them. Oh, just like a Hallmark movie. But I will say that last night, uh, as of this recording, a movie came on the Hallmark channel that had Kristen Chenoweth. Earlier this year, she came to a local town near me called Monroe, uh, which is in North Carolina, and filmed some of the segments there. And Vanessa wanted to go and see what was going on. So we did. And we had a chance to meet her and hang out with her for a bit. So we actually watched the movie. Uh, that she did last night, and it wasn't any better than any other Hallmark Christmas movie. Well, see, what I'm hearing is, and I can't believe we're discussing Hallmark movies, but then again, like you said, we are poorly written. Um, (laughs) 
some of the new Hallmark Christmas movies, because actually while I'm recording, Donna is trying to clear off the DVR right now of some of her Hallmark movies. They've changed some of the plot. It's no longer that on Christmas it's going to be snowing or these people are going to find themselves. Some of that's changing around a little bit. It's adjusting more towards problems in the workplace. You don't see that he's the boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. Things are moving differently, someone was telling me. I don't know. I haven't watched them for this year because, um, well, I'm in here recording with you. Uh, That's news to me because pretty much Vanessa will say, all right, there's this couple here, but here's this this boy that she grew up with. I went, well, he's gonna she's gonna end up with him. Oh yeah, she does. Okay. Or, or it's the two two people meet, but oh my goodness, they're both so involved in their job, and one gets a promotion and gonna leave. They turn down the promotion and they stay and they live happily ever after. I mean, it's like everyone's the same thing. What about all the Marvel stories? They're all the same. Uh, I don't have a rebuttal for that because okay. <laughs> that's pretty much right. <laughs> oh oh. Oh, you don't watch it. You don't have Disney Plus. You're not watching yes, Mandalorian. You are you have you been watching Mandalorian? No, not yet. But we're we're holding that. What do you mean no not yet? Because we're we're keeping it stored so that we can watch it in the um hotel because we lose our DVR and we're having to clear off our DVR because we have to turn it off when we move out. So we're trying to get rid of all the shows we got recorded. Ah, uh, okay. Anyway, uh yeah, Mandalorian's good. I am really enjoying it. It's and it's like it's one of those things that it's so good that I think it's going to hurt Rise of Skywalker and that people are going to compare Mandalorian to Rise of Skywalker. Okay, well, I will, I will come back to you in February with my judgment on. It. Okay, well, now what you want to talk about? Um, why don't you go into your <laughs> solo play of Fire for five minutes, and I'll pay attention. Oh, oh, will you? No, you're not. Because as soon as I start this, you're going to go get something to drink, probably take a potty break. That's probably right. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. I rarely play solo games, but when I saw a game called Fire come out from Stronghold Games from designer Friedman Freeze that's based on the old arcade shooters Galaga and Galaxian, uh, I had to try this out because I dumped a lot of quarters into those games. This game is a lot like his previous games like Fabled Fruits, where when you open up the box and open up the cards, they're already pre-sorted. You open up the first couple pages of the rule book, it gives you a few rules, you take a few of the cards off the top of the deck, and you're off and playing. This game is built to be played over levels, from level 1 to level 9, with each level getting progressively harder. And when you start with level one, you're going to put out three ship cards in front of you and five alien cards. Each side of the alien card has a certain value to it, and it decreases in value from like 12 to 9 to 6 to 3. And that is the amount of damage you're going to need to deal to each of those aliens in order to destroy them. And the way that you deal damage is you have a deck of cards that you're going to shuffle up. And on those cards, it has like a little battery symbol with a value on it anywhere from 1 to 5. You're going to flip over a card and assign it to one of the ships. What you're doing is you're charging up the weapon of that ship for it to fire. And it's going to fire as soon as the sum of the cards that's been assigned to that ship equals or exceeds 10. And you'd have to do a little algebra to see how much damage you're going to do. What you're going to do is you're going to take the total sum of the cards, subtract 10, then multiply by the number of cards played. So say, for example, you had a stack of three cards that totaled nine. And then you play a five. Well, that 
is going to push it over 10 and you're going to hit 14. So you're going to take 14, subtract 10, that's four, multiply by the number of cards played, that's four, and you're going to be able to do 16 damage. You can apply that damage to any of the aliens sitting out in front of you. So say, for example, I had an alien who I need to deal at least eight damage to. I deal eight damage to it and rotate it down to its next level, which like might be six. Well, eight plus six is 14, so I still have enough damage to even deal damage to that side and turn it one more rotation. Your goal is to deal enough damage to it to rotate it four times, discard that alien, and then kill all the aliens. Once you beat that first level, you move on to the next level. You flip over the next page of the rule book. It says, all right, take the next several cards and we'll progress from here. So the next level may add some more aliens that are in play. They may stack them into columns where you have to beat the lower one first in order to get to the one above it. It's going to give you some other ways to use your weapons, maybe to like supercharge your weapons. In future levels, there are cards that will cause your weapon to fail when it fires, unless that card that causes it to fail is paired with another light card, which will make that weapon work. So as the game goes on, the aliens get stronger, your weapons get a little bit better, but you have to learn how to manipulate those weapons to the best ability. Oh, and I forgot one very important part of this game that really throws another wrench into it. After you fire your weapon, you have to discard one of those cards from play. So my first example where there were four cards that were played, one of those cards is removed from the game. As the game progresses, every time you fire a weapon, you lose a card. So your deck of cards that you have keep getting smaller over the course of the game, which means eventually, if you don't kill all the aliens in time, you'll run out of cards to be able to use in order to add up to 10. Look, this game is a brain burner. It really is. And it's very mathy because as you put the cards out, you're trying to decide, well, I want to get all the low cards on this ship right here so I can have a lot of cards there because every card is a multiplier and I will get it as close to 10 as I can so that when I pull out one of the big cards like a four or five I'll go well over 10 and then the difference of that plus the number of cards played will deal the most amount of damage but then I have to discard one of those cards so you can see where you can really start getting the the gears turning in your mind of like where should I sign cards what cards should I remove and then once you've solved that puzzle for that particular level you move on to the next level which increases the difficulty of the puzzle even more. I really enjoyed my time with this game. And every time I played this game, I may pull out and just play one level and it takes maybe 15 to 20 minutes. And I don't beat every level first time. So there are a lot of hours in this game. Now, I don't know that I'll sit here and try to progress through every single level in one set sitting because it can get a little repetitive after time. Of Basically, I'm just flipping over a card and assigning it to one of the ships in order to fire a weapon. So it's one of those things I may just want to, you know, I got 15 minutes sitting at lunch. I'll pull it out of my desk play it real quick and move on and maybe over the course of a few weeks play it. Once I'm done, I don't know that I would ever go back and replay it again, but my time with it, I would have really enjoyed it. And it's an inexpensive game. It's in a small box. It's, it's cheap. And it's one of those that when you're done with it, you hand it off to a friend because you can reset the cards, reset the order, and hand it to them and they can pick up uh, right from the beginning, just like the shrink had been taken off the box. So if you're looking for a fun little solo game that you can easily set up and play 15 to 20 minutes, the rules are easy to learn, but it's somewhat of a brain burner, then you might want to check out Fire from Friedman Freeze and Publisher Stronghold Games. And if you're one of those that like me that pumped a lot of quarters into Galaga and Galaxian, then you'll feel right at home with this game. Five minute initiative is complete. MiniatureMarket.com 
has your solution to your problem. The problem that you have is you forgot to get somebody that special gift and you need to come back with something real quick and you're like, oh my God, it's not going to get here in time. Amazon Prime is going to fail or I'm not going to be able to get the United States Post Service to get it delivered in time to come from it or Walmart's run out of it. Target doesn't have it. So go over to miniaturemarket.com and you know they would appreciate an e-gift card. That's right, instantaneous gratification. Here it comes to you. Or better yet, maybe that e-gift card needs to end up in your own stocking at Christmas time. <laughs> I'm going to buy myself a gift card. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong Show with that. Show yourself a little love. Show yourself a little love over at Miniature Market. Or, you know, it may happen, I, you might find that game that you wanted under the tree just doesn't show up because people didn't go out and look at your possible wish list on miniaturemarket.com or wherever you wrote that list down. Or maybe it got lost on its way to the North Pole. We don't know. Go out there and get that game that you've been waiting on. Be sure to check out miniaturemarket.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. The City by Tom Lehman. This game came out in 2011 and Eagle Griffin Games has brought it out again. This is a simple engine building game using cards that has a mechanic in it that is all about paying with the cards in hand to play a card to the table. Very, very similar to Marvel Champions that is currently out there that is just blowing Marty's mind. He loves that game. Loves that game. Don't you, Marty? I sure do. Now it's a simple game to play. Players choose a card that they want to play, put it face down on the table. And when everybody has picked a card, everybody flips that card over and they have to pay for it based on the cost of the card by discarding that number of cards from their hands. Based on the victory points, players collect that from the card that they played. Certain engines will fire during this time. Once everybody's collected their victory points, they then gain income, which is getting other cards back into their hand based on a symbol on the card. Certain cards will say, draw a card if this exists, or just simply draw a card. First player to 50 victory points is the winner. Rinse and repeat. Play a card, pay for a card, collect victory points, draw more cards. That's it to this game. It's all about that engine that you're going to build. This card game scratches a, an itch for me. It, I like constantly scoring. I think that's cool in games where you're just constantly collecting victory points. And it's a simultaneous action. So everybody's flipping the card at the same time and resolving it at the exact same time. So you put it out in your tableau, you put a card in the tableau, and then basically you resolve your entire tableau. You may build a little engine, Tony, like you said, that gives you victory points. I had a good little engine where it allowed me to draw, draw a, lot, a bunch of cards. There are some cards that work together, types of buildings and everything that are that mm -hmm. synergize with each other. So there's different tactics that you can take. You may decide, I'm going to take this tactic of trying to synergize these particular buildings. And then the other buildings that you uh, get into your hand, that's basically what you use to pay for those other buildings. Uh, so you can you know, try to draw into the, the type of card that you want. Discard the cards that you're not going to use to pay for that one card that makes your, your engine run. And then your just engine fires like every single round until, mm -hmm. like you said, somebody gets to 50 points. I thought it was cool. I like any engine building game, and this definitely was very entertaining to me. Yeah, and I like any game that's quick to play, can shuffle them up, go again. Now, and I also like, you know how if you have a draw that suddenly stinks, 
like you've been drawing cards and and you got all these high price cards in your hand or they're not fitting the tableau that you've put out before you Marty right there is this, you have the ability to do also a survey where you basically say listen I'm not going to play a card this time but instead I'm going to do a survey and I am going to draw five cards mm-hmm. and then I'm going to discard any four cards from my hand. So it's kind of like a hand refresh. Keeping in mind, there is a limit of 12 cards for your hand. I like that capability because sometimes that draw is just not kind to you. So having that ability, being able to either have the choice of drawing, uh, playing a card, or, oh, I need to refresh my hand, that's always a good mechanism to have in a game. We recently talked about, what was it, Encore? how it was a very quick, simple game. Right. The same thing here. Put this game on the table. It's one of those games that you keep in your bag that's, hey, I'm waiting on another game. The artwork is beautiful on these cards. They were easy to read. And for older gentlemen like you and I, that's a plus. Mm-hmm. The iconography was easy to follow. And we like the, we like Tom Lehman. We typically like, this is the guy that has done, you know, Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy. We just typically like his engine building style games. And, and this one's no different, except it's just easier to game and get to the table. And he plays in, in, in 30 minutes. It's a great game to have in your bag, I think. And so if you're interested in a quick filler game, for those gaming days. Now I will say, I mean, you, you gotta be cognizant of the number of players. It's two to five. So it's not like a seven wonders or anything like that, where you can get up to seven people, but still going up to five. That's awesome. If it could have gone to six, that'd be even greater. Who knows? They even have an expansion that you can purchase with it. And that is the city by Tom Lehman from Eagle Griffin game. Five minute initiative is complete. for Flying Squirrels, two-minute discussions on topics that have our attention. For now... Like. It's time for another segment of Flying Squirrels, and we have not done one of these in a while, so those who may not know, Flying Squirrels is where Tony and I are going to do some quick hits on different topics. Each of us only has two minutes to talk about each topic, and at the end, you're going to hear this sound, and then we're going to move on to the next topic, and Tony will be kicking us off with this segment of Flying Squirrels. Well, the first segment on Flying Squirrels is going to be... Can we say that? Flying Squirrels enough? No, we cannot. Because okay. it's... I, such a neat name, but you're killing my time here, dude. Sorry. So over Thanksgiving, I got to see, there's only one segment of the Westminster dog show that I enjoy. And that is the, (laughs) the um, herding and shepherd group. I love those, those groups. Well, while I was watching this, Marty, did you watch any of the Westminster? Oh, I didn't watch it. The only time I've ever watched a dog show is the movie best in show. Best in show. Yeah. The commentators reminded me of best in show. (laughs) I hate that you missed it. So we're sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm watching the, the, the herding dogs. And in that breed is the sheep dog. And I'm like, Oh man, look at that pretty dog. And the announcer goes, if you're judging this group and you're on the sheep dog and you're digging through all that fur and you only see one eye, then you've got the wrong end. <laughs> and I went, he, he, he said, what? They actually said this. He said it. And I was like, oh my gosh, he actually said you're on the wrong end. I was dying. And that took me straight to best in show. And I was like, okay, this has just elevated elevated the Westminster Kennel Club show for me again to see if they bring this gentleman back. I haven't even gone and looked at, I don't want to ruin who the announcers were for me. But then later I'm watching, or not watching, I'm listening to um, the radio and they're talking about the impeachment. I'm not going to go anywhere. But one of the witnesses says, well, he would have been on that 
that like ugly on a moose? I'm like, ugly on a moose? Have you ever heard that expression? I have never heard that term. Is that a Canadian thing? I don't know, but if I were a, a moose, I would be offended. <laughs> okay. Mises aren't ugly. No, they're not. So anyway, go check it out. See if you can find that Westminster thing about if you're, you're on the wrong end of a sheepdog. Well, Tony, speaking of dogs, this past April Fool's, Fantasy Flight put out this thing where they said they were going to release an expansion to the Arkham Horror card game called Dog Witch Legacy. And the whole thing was instead of Dunwich Legacy, it's Dog Witch Legacy where you're, you're, the investigators are dogs and you're investigating like evil cats and everything like that. And people got a really good kick out of it. Well, come to find out, people enjoyed that and got a kick out of it so much that Fantasy Flight is actually releasing a standalone scenario where they're calling the game Barkham Horror the Card Game, <laughs> The Meddling of Meowlethop, where they took some of those same cards they had parodied and satired and actually producing them. And you have different investigators that are now dogs. And they did a play on names with existing investigators in the game. So you've got like Kate Winthpup, Bark oh. Merrigan, Jacqueline Canine, and Skids O'Drool. <laughs> so now you can actually play as these dog characters as you're investigating these weird things that ha happen in Barkham and all these evil cats are coming around that you must investigate. Oh, and one of the playable characters is Duke. Duke is the uh, dog of mm -hmm. one of the regular... The dog. Yeah, now you can actually play as him. I thought that is absolutely brilliant. This went up on pre-order. I went out day one pre-order that bad boy i cannot wait to check this out I, and oh this is a good thing too if you're interested in this uh, all the proceeds uh go to pets for vets so the oh. money they get from producing this is going to go to a fantastic cause. so you can go out uh, to fantasy flight and look for barkham horror i cannot wait to play it i think it's such a great idea I can't wait for you to get it either. I don't know if it's something as much as I enjoy the horror games. So, but I'll, I'll wait on your copy. I hope they produce enough to keep it going. You know, that's a great cause, like you said. Yeah, well, it's just a standalone game. So it, you could just play it within your existing core set. And in fact, a lot of it's just cards you just get within the scenario that you only need. So yeah, Barkham Horror. Can't wait to play. Now on to some sad news. Uh-oh. Our, our friends over at Cubicle 7, not that they knew that we oh, were their friends. Oh, I hate this. I hate this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You hear his reaction, my reaction as well. They lost the license to Lord of the Rings. Now, for those of you who haven't heard previous episodes, Marty and I were very excited for Adventures in Middle Earth. And we were all into it. We haven't gotten around. We've been trying to wanting to play it, but things just keep happening. And and but I have gotten all the books. I'm all excited. And now out comes that not only does Cubicle 7 do Adventures in Middle-Earth, they also do The One Ring. Mm -hmm. And they were going to have a huge second release of it, the revamp of The One Ring. And they've stopped complete work on that, Marty. They're not going to do it. So all those pre-orders for that, and they they had a killing on the pre-orders for The One Ring. And so they're now trying to figure out how they're going to refund that money. Matter of fact, they offered fans of The One Ring who purchased that 125% refund for product. Oh, man. That's it. No more Adventures in Middle-Earth, Marty. We'll never get it to the table. It will go out of print, so I don't have to worry about it. No, 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 no. Because we have some uh, backers who we're going to play an RPG with us, and this is what we're going to play. So, yes, we yes. will play Adventures in Middle-Earth. Yes, we will. 
But no, it's sad that there's going to be no support, more support of this game because they produce amazing books. Adventures mm-hmm. of Middle-Earth is, is built off of D&D 5e. The system uh, works really well. One Ring has been around forever. They invested all this time and money into this. Nobody pointed fingers at who did what. But I got to figure, Cubicle 7 wasn't the one that pulled out of this deal. It had to be the people who had the license that pulled it from them. I don't know. They just said they could not come to terms. I hate to hear that because now, where's is Lord of the Rings ever going to have another RPG? They already had a great company to do it with. Now, I will say this. Uh, I'm now 100% behind Cubicle 7 as they come out with the uh, Warhammer Fantasy game and the Warhammer Age of Sigmar is coming out next year. I will put my financial support behind them because Cubicle 7 is my favorite RPG publisher right now. Sorry to bring sad news to the Squirrelies. It's not the Squirrelies. Sad news for Flying Squirrel. (laughs) You couldn't even remember the name. (laughs) No, I couldn't. (laughs) Every year we have a big summer movie preview show that we call Screening streaming or steaming are you sure it's not the squirrelies yeah i'm positive it's not okay. the, not the squirrelies you, you threw me off on a loop i just saying yeah <laughs> um it's like what now see you just threw me off on a loop right there even though it's what december we've already started getting some trailers for movies that are going to be coming out next summer now tony i don't know if you've seen all these so i'm going to walk through these what these three big ones that came out this past weekend all of them are what they call tentpole movies First is Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Have you seen the preview to that? Yes, I didn't understand it until the very end. I thought, well, that's the purpose. You don't know what's yeah. going on. It's not much to give away. But the thing is, is Ryan Reynolds plays an NPC, a non-playable character in a video game, and then comes to the real- realization that he can actually do something else in the game. It's kind of like Wreck-It Ralph meets mm-hmm. Ready Player One. And it's an original idea. I want to go check it out because I like Ryan Reynolds. So I hope it's good. Did you see the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer? Yes, I do. How does a lasso not conduct electricity? She's latching on to lightning bolts with her lasso and swinging through the sky. I don't know how that works, but I guess she's pulling it all somehow. Why? Wonder Woman can fly. Unless she uses invisible jet. I don't know which version of Wonder Woman this is, whether she needs the invisible jet or not. Look, it's a 1984. I was hooked. The music is amazing. It looks fantastic. I, I love the Wonder Woman first movie, and the action in this looks incredible. That's going to be one of the top picks, first round pick, I guarantee mm-hmm. it, Tony. Oh, yeah. And this next movie will guarantee be a top round pick. Did you see the trailer for Ghostbusters? Yes, I did. Didn't know what to expect there. That was unexpected. It was like a serious tone. It didn't seem Mm -hmm. comedic at all. No, and I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a very good drama movie. I don't know if it's going to be drama, but it may have more of a dark tone. So, Tony, honestly, right there... Guaranteed, two of those movies will be drafted in the first round. Maybe Free Guy won't be, but shoot, it's already time to start researching for the summer movie preview show. Okay, Marty. So we had game day over Thanksgiving, and there were eight of us at the table. Eight is enough. Yes. Do we want to play the game? Eight is enough for people to go look and see what TV show that is. But anyway, I'm like, okay, well, do we want to break up into fours? Do we want to, you know, how do we want to do this? What do we, well, why can't we all play together? Right. Well, eight's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's not many games to support eight unless it's like a party game or something. That's right. Not many play, and we did. We got to play. Well, actually, we played Werewords, but we didn't have any of the cards, any of the character roles. So we used a deck of cards, and we just used the app. That was kind of fun. And then we played the Crypto. The Crypto with eight 
four on four each side. That got a little lengthy. Then we played monikers or times up. That was pretty decent. So I'm like, okay, what is it when you bring all the adults together with the kids? Why is it that they think that you need to keep everybody together? Why can't we just all break apart? Why can't we just have our own game <laughs> why tables? Why, why do we need to stay together? Split the party. Who cares? I don't know. Maybe they just kind of want to do everything together. And then how do you how do you divide up? You never know. It's like, well, I want to stay with this person. And if I do that, this group's going to have six people and that leaves two people over here. And they're like, I don't know. I know. Everybody wants to be together. We're not together very all. The kids have gone away and now they've all come back and we got to spend the time. And I understand that, but it is. It is a hard thing to do to find that game at the eight level that everybody is able to experience. And I will say this, you know, I talked about laser disc or, um, I screwed it up in the last laser drive, laser drive. I said, do you want me to bring that expansion? And I got a resounding, no, (laughs) I'm like, come on. So we played to crypto as normal. I I know an eight player game, pull out twilight Imperium. Not going to (laughs) happen. No. So uh, I'm glad you understand, but no one else did. I appreciate your support. I'm here for you. Tony, there have been some games that have come out recently that I've really wanted to get to the table, but but because of the length, it's tough to. You have Gloomhaven sitting on your shelf, correct? I do. I actually, it's on the floor because I don't think my shelves can support it. We've never had a chance to play it because it's like one of those things we've got so much other stuff going on that's hard for us to jump into it because, you know, that is hundreds of hours of gameplay. It's just an amazing game. Recently, Isaac Childress has announced he's coming out with what's called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which is Mm -hmm. going to be a retail version of Gloomhaven that's going to come out at Target. And I got to sample this at BGGCon, but the beauty of this game is it's quick to set up, it plays quicker, and there's only like 20 campaigns. So now, if I can't get to the full game... I have Gloomhaven uh, Jaws of the Lion now as an option. Okay, well, that's good because maybe eventually we'll both get to sit down and play a Gloomhaven game. I just love the idea. It's like, okay, if you can't do this, then here's a little bit shorter version. But that's not the only one. We talked about this previously, too. We love the game Detective, one game of the year for us. The thing Mm -hmm. is about Detective from Portal Games is that can take a while. I mean, you can play a scenario that takes two to three hours and then the campaign's like six scenarios long. They also, Ignacy's coming out with Detective Season 1, less scenarios in a campaign, and is streamlined to only take 90 minutes. So here are two games that, oh man, I don't have time to play Gloomhaven or Detective. Both have come out with shorter versions of the game so that you can still experience and enjoy the game. But it's not like, you know, taking a game and it's like, oh, here's a roll and write version of that game. Or here's the dice version of that game. Here you get the exact same feel from the game just in a shorter time. I hope that a lot of other games that take a long time to play do the same sort of thing. Skinny it down. I understand. I like that. Putting it on a diet. It is the new year coming up. So it's <laughs> time to lose. <laughs> so we've got Gloomhaven and Detective on a diet. All right, Marty. Started a discussion here with the wife and various people. And I'm curious where you stand on this. And okay. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong. Good gosh, don't send me hate mail. I'm just curious because I have found it to be consistent between the sexes. When you go to a restaurant, do you prefer booth or table? Table. Table. So I recently was at a work meeting and we went out to dinner and it was myself and five other ladies. And they go, at, we walk in and we they go booth or table and they all go booth. And I'm like, what? And then we go to the booth. And I go, really? Why did y'all choose booth? They go, we just like booth spinner. I go, well, let me ask you this. What do your husbands prefer? And they go, table. Mm-hmm. I asked Donna. 
She says, booth. I ask a friend of ours. She says, booth. I ask her husband, table. Men tend to prefer tables. And, and why do you think women prefer booth? I have no idea because I know why I prefer a table. What does, what does Vanessa prefer? Do you know? She's in a house of men, so she has to take a table. Okay, well, if you'll pause the two-minute timer, I'll go ask. Hold on. Tony, she said booth. Okay, so here's what Donna told me. She says, I prefer a booth because it's more intimate and also it keeps the airflow down and I don't get cold. Uh, and she goes, why do you prefer table over booth? And I said, I've never thought of it like that, but I do not like booths because I hate people sitting behind me, bouncing me on the seat. I hate that. And so it's been the same discussion. So I'm curious, listeners out there, go to our BGG Guild number 1589. I'm going to run a survey. Booth or table? Mine is a different reason. My, my reason why I want table, because if I need to get up to go to the restroom or something, I haven't got to crawl out of a booth or tell other people to move. Oh, and that brings up another. We're going to go over the two minutes here. Does that mean that when you return that I have to slide scoot all the way in, especially if we're done with dinner and we're still talking? How does that work? There's a lot of logistics here with a booth. You know what the worst one is, Tony? The half moon booth. Oh, that's that one. It's terrible. like who 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 gets in one end and has to slide all the way to the middle, and then everybody packs in around them. And sure enough, that person in the middle then goes, "Guys, I got to go to the restroom." Then one whole side of the booth has to empty so that they can crawl out. Exactly. I know you've never thought of that. You're welcome from rolling dice and taking names. <laughs> Let's go table. It's all over, Boomwinkle. Christmas is coming up. You know there are some games under that tree for you. You know that you're going to need a way to store and organize those games. And you know one of the best places to go? Well, that would be thebrokentoken.com, where they have tons of storage solutions for many different games. And they have many different components and accessories for a lot of different games. If you're looking for a way to organize your games and make it easy to get your game to the table and put back on the shelf, make sure to go check out thebrokentoken.com. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. As mentioned earlier in the episode, we're going to do a five-minute initiative on the new game from Cosmos called City Skylines, which is based on a video game that my son Adam has a lot of experience on. So I thought, hey, who better to come on and play the game and talk about City Skylines than Adam? So Adam, uh, thanks for coming back. No problem. Now, I don't know about a lot of experience but I got about 36 hours. That's pretty good. I mean, you still got a good feel of the video game. That's true. That's true. The most hardcore of people would have hundreds, but I know enough. I know enough. In fact, uh, because of you actually bought this game and started learning how to play it, because the last Sim City video game that came out mm -hmm. got horrible reviews. And you said, you know what? If you want a good Sim City Civ game or Sim game. City Builder. Yeah. yeah, then this is the one to get. Yeah, and I, I have a great fondness for city builders, both in video games and board games. So let's talk about this uh, board game here. Now, this is different than what you might think in a city building game, because you might think this would be like a PvP game, who can build the best city overall. But actually, this is a co-op game where, like the video game, your goal is to have the highest happiness at the end of the game. Yep, and unlike some city builders, this goes for the video game also, 
the goal isn't necessarily to build your city to as expansive and prosperous heights as possible. It's to keep your citizens happy. And to do that, you have to manage things like your power, water, garbage, the health of your citizens, their education. And it's all those factors that play into whether or not you're successful in the video game, but also whether or not you win or get the highest score on the board game as well. Mm -hmm. And this game is played by uh, putting out some uh, face down tiles and there's different scenarios that you can play through. The tiles can be random or they could be some set tiles. And at the beginning of the game, you're going to flip over one of those tiles that has some grids on it. That's going to allow you to build different types of buildings and zones in that area. And you do so by, and I'm going to explain this through a two player game because the rules change depending on number of players. Each player is going to have five cards. Those cards allow you to build industrial, residential or commercial zones, or actually construct things like power plants, police stations, fire stations, etc. for the goal of de uh, developing your city and keeping everybody happy. Yeah, and it does this in a very clever way through the use of sliders, right? So every time you put a building down, it adjusts your sliders. You have one for power, water, sanitation, happiness, employment, pollution, traffic, and crime. Mm -hmm. That's about half as many parameters as you have to keep track of <laughs> in the video game. They did, uh, they did scale this game down for the board game. A little bit, yeah. So each building you put down will adjust it, and it'll like push your power down or pull it up or push your employment down or pull it up. And some you want to be low, some you want to be high, and that adjusts the happiness, which is the metric by which you determine how good you've played the game. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, some of them are very logical. So if you play a residential area and uh, it may say, okay, awesome, you're going to put a residential area out. Well, that's going to increase the unemployment or bring more population in, but your crime is going to go up and your traffic is going to go up. Uh, but also, but, but, it'll give you some money. But it'll give you some money. And, or it may so happen if you happen to put this residential area where you've built a park it could bring you some happiness or some money in the process. Well, let's say that you're crime has gone up well then what you're trying to do is you're going to try to find like a police station that you can build in the same district that will cost money to do so but it dry it drives the crime token down on the uh on the board on the slider yeah and one thing that is present in the video game that's not in the board game is this idea of uh adjacency or proximity so in the in the video game your police station will be more effective the closer it is to those residential districts. It'll show you like how many of those houses are being affected. But in this game, there's no concept of that. So it is a little simpler in how you lay it out. It's a little more focused. Um, and just like if it's on the board, you get the benefit. And that's that. And what happens as you're playing the game with each tile, as soon as you get a tile in each of the districts, that's called the end of a milestone. And you're going to measure how well you've done. At that point, you're going to look at the sliders. And for any slider, whether it be power, water, or sanitation, sanitation that's less than zero, it's going to cost you happiness by each place that it's below zero. And you're going to slide your happiness scale down. But then you transfer your happiness over to a scoreboard that will stay the same. So say we got nine happiness. We transfer that nine happiness is locked in. And then we reset from the next milestone. We then pay some money to flip over one of the other tiles. And oh, by the way, also unemployment. If you want your employment right at zero, zero. you want enough jobs for everybody that's there. If it's higher or less than zero, you have to pay one buck for everything that's higher or less than. And then those other sliders you talked about, which was garbage, is it garbage? Sanitation. Sanitation. Yeah. <laughs> um, traffic and... Oh, no. You're talking about this one. That's yes. pollution. Pollution. I'm I sorry. The oil drum and the trash can do look similar. They, they do look similar. So but. pollution, traffic, and crime. 
those can only max out at five. If you ever go above five, you automatically lose the game. So you just got to keep those from going any higher than five. Yeah. And it's clever the way they do this because not all sliders are created equal. Like mm-hmm. some you want to be as high as possible. Others you actually want to be as low as possible. There are There's the one that you want to keep right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So it's very clever because you have to, it's not always the positive number is better. Sometimes the negative number is better. And sometimes it depends on the situation. And as we played the game, there were some cards that said, well, if you happen to build this residential area, where you happen to have a school, you'll get a bonus. Yeah. And so you may have the card that says, well, I can build a school. And then you co-op, you work together. All right, if you build a school in that district, the next time I'll build the residential area there that'll build up happiness. And then we have to decide when's a good time to trigger the milestone and transfer the happiness over. Because at the end of the game, you're going to see what how much your happiness is, and you're going to look at a scale in the back of the book, and it'll rate you how well you did. Yeah. And the goal of the game is you're going to play again with different scenarios, and you're going to try to score the highest happiness possible. You're going to try to break your previous score. Right. And that is where the game shines for me, and what makes it a really good game is that there were so many times where as we were playing, we were looking at our cards like, okay, we were trying to plan like three to four turns in advance what we could do to maximize our returns. We were debating, like, would it be better to put down this card and take a hit to our water if it meant getting some money back for it? We, there were legitimate pads and dialogues and options that we had, depending on our scenario, what the cards dealt us and what we needed. It created a lot of strategic situations that I wasn't expecting to coming into this game. The one thing that kind of drove me a little crazy, and I've also played this game solo, is that, say, for example our pollution was up really high and I needed to build something that handled that pollution. If I didn't have that car in front of me, I had to try and go dig for it. One of the ways you could do that is pay two bucks to exchange a card that you have for another card that's been discarded earlier, or you could get a new card off the deck. Well, if you couldn't find a way to handle pollution, eventually you're going to run out of money. And so to me, there was some luck involved with the card draw if you didn't get the cards you needed to handle the certain situations. As is so often the case with board game adaptations of video games or board game adaptations of video game genres or style games, the random element given by dice or cards, the RNG, if you will, (laughs) um, kind of frustrates you as you play it like in the video game playing city skylines there's obviously no random element you can make whatever building you want to fix the problem at hand but in this game you have to wait for that card to show up or continue to pump money into it until it shows up which is a strategic choice like on your part but at the end of the day it is still just a chance of, of you drawing that one card that you need to trigger everything that you need to happen that's probably my one complaint about the game one major complaint also is just the random factor of it and we played two player it took us i don't know 45 minutes or so and that, 45 and minutes. it was the first time you had played the game yeah. i had played solo it's quicker solo because i can you're not discussing and everything so i'm just kind of processing it myself is, and it plays up to four players you can end the game as quick as you want to right like it's it's all based on you like you can build a zone in every district as soon as possible and in the game as quick as you can but that might not give you the highest happiness so mm-hmm. it's all based on what you want to do and at the end of the game i was even saying i think we should end the game now in order to maximize the amount of happiness because mm-hmm. i feel like with our cards it's only going to get worse from here so i think we should just quit because this is as high as our score is going to get right and there's different elements that are added to the deck i mean there's just the very simple game that starts out with not a lot of extra cards added like rolls i threw in rolls where beginning of the game each of us took two cards and i was easier i was an architect it was cheaper for me to build stuff and it was better if you built in an empty district because we generate happiness there's also these policy cards that were thrown into the deck that you could use that um if you had certain conditions in play you get some extra money the one thing that we didn't use was the news cards because that drives up the difficulty mm-hmm. and usually when you draw a card 
card, a news card, is something bad that stays in play that you have to deal with. It's almost like in the video game. I know in SimCity you had it. You had uh, natural disasters. If you had those yeah. turned on, it'd be this random thing that happened that you had to in deal with. every city builder, the thing that they throw in, the kink, is random events. So uh, it, it, depending on the game, there was one called banished it was a medieval city builder notorious for throwing plagues at you left and right like every winter there'd be like oh there's a plague looks like half your city is dying so uh, in the city skylines they had similar events like oh uh, this building's on fire mm-hmm. and all of a sudden oh you don't have a police station no, so your crime's going to go up so it's the kind of replicating that element and also there's some tile placement here too because each of the different types of zones have different sizes of tiles that you can put down there's all different shapes and sizes and you have to fit those in meticulously to try to leave space for something later on so there's a tile placement uh, mechanic of rotating the tiles certainly to make sure it fits clever i wasn't expecting you actually have to think about your spacing because industrial districts are huge and residential aren't so huge so mm-hmm. you have to like kind of plan out what you're doing city skylines adam you felt it was a scaled down version but a good representation of the of the board game it was surprisingly faithful to the game and in, in how you play it and i don't think i've seen or played any other game that was like a city a city builder uh that kind of emulates this so if you're into sim cities oh is there another one you thought of uh we played era recently the little oh that's true that's, that's true era of, yeah it's, it's pretty light but it kind of replicates the same thing that's true okay just take uh take back what i just said <laughs> uh, but <laughs> this is a much more in-depth experience yeah sure. it, it, it is and I, what i do is like the mechanic of you're trying to manage power and yeah. water and garbage collection and happiness and population all that you're trying to to deal and work with uh, over the course of the game. So if you think this sounds interesting to you, this is Cities Skylines, the board game from Cosmos. Um, if you've played the video game, you might want to check this out. And Adam, as normal, anytime I have on another Connell on a five-minute initiative, mm-hmm. it's never five minutes. Well, I even have a clock running here. You might here. as well just rename it the 10-minute initiative. <laughs> the 10-minute initiative for this, the Connell version. So City Skylines out now. Adam, thank you. Now it makes me actually want to go play the video game even more. Watch for that Steam sale. Five-minute initiative is complete. Tony, I'm always interested in board game accessories. And you know, we just I just did the commercial for the broken token. Mm-hmm. You remember about a little over a year ago when the fine people at Quiver sent us a a quiver yeah i remember when they sent a us quiver. a quiver well, i was thinking is that a sample is that a unit it is a, a demo copy a prototype no they, they sent us a quiver each of us have one and that thing is well, amazing what is a quiver marty not everybody like i i didn't know what it was uh, uh so a quiver is basically a long storage box a nice box for holding cards mm-hmm. uh, and you can hold a lot of different cards and a lot of different card games and rules and bits and tokens and it has a zippered top and it's well built. It's uh, You can drop it and it won't ding up in your cars or anything like that. I love the Quiver solution. And they just came out with a new version of the Quiver called the Bolt. And before you get to the Bolt, I want to point out something for everybody here. This is very important. It also holds, with proper foam insulation, as Marty pointed out, a switch. That's right, it does. So you can have all your magic decks and everything you need. And while you're after you decimated your opponents with your magic deck, you can now break out your switch and continue to explore in Breath of the Wild or Wake Up Link or better yet, play Lord of the Rings. Uh, 
living card game out there or some other board game on your Switch. That's correct. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to point, because that was genius engineering on your part. <laughs> yeah. uh, genius engineering. I just happened to find a, a loophole or, or a feature that they, it's like, oh, they were saying like, a Switch will fit in here? I went, oh yeah, a Switch will fit in there. It's a little bit tight, but it gets in there. So they have a new product called the Bolt, which is about half the length of a full-size quiver. Now, the nice thing about this is, is if you don't want to carry that big thing around, it's a pretty long, you know, storage solution that they have, the full-size quiver. This is really good for, wow, just carrying under your arm. It's a lot lighter. If you're going to a magic tournament or some sort of a TCG or LCG tournament, it's great for that. It has the same zippered lid, same zipper uh, on the inside for storing bits and tokens. It gives you little dividers and they're Velcro on the inside. It's the same sort of construction, the zippered lid. Uh, it's a fantastic solution. It, you can go find out more over at their website at quivertime.com. But Tony, that's not the only thing. It's not. No. Well, uh, hold on now. Oh, I mean, oh, the, I'm, I'm holding on. Okay. So the quiver, obviously, you are sitting there for your bow and you've got your arrow. So you need your quiver. Here, you have moved up. You have gone in age to now where you have a crossbow. Mm -hmm. So now you need your bolt. Shorter little arrows. Look at the size. Look at them following the theme. It's almost like an incredible board game. Got that theme going. <laughs> well, then answer me to this, smart boy. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> on their new product that's coming out now on Kickstarter, it's going to be coming out like in a January, February, is a deck box called the Citadel. Mm, so help the me there. Citadel. So help me, what's the, what's the Citadel have to do with the quiver? Well, the quiver had to do with a bow. The bolt has to do with a crossbow. The Citadel, obviously, is what you're protecting as you're on the rampart. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't let me get by <laughs> with that crap. That was some pure crap. But they sent us a sample of this, and this is a nice solution, too. So it is a is a plastic case that holds sleeved, unsleeved, and double-sleeved cards. Like, for example, it holds 130 sleeve cards, 100 double-sleeved cards, and there's a compartment in the bottom of the deck holder for holding tokens and stuff and holding bits. But the cool thing is, is that once you have all the cards, inside the little plastic case there's a cover that wraps around the case that's a nice leather hinged case that's magnetic so it, it sticks to the card protector itself and then there's an elastic band that you can put around it just to make sure that, that it doesn't open up but what's cool about that magnetic case is when you open it up and, and take it off it lays out flat on the table and has felt on one side so you can actually use the outer part of the deck protector, that, that little casing part, to stack your cards on. So if you're on a table, a wooden table, where it's hard to pick up your cards, you could put your deck or your cards on this little playing surface that's part of the actual deck protector. What would you use it for? What game? Is this an Is this more like Magic? Or oh, for LCG? sure. This is like if I was going to play a game of like Marvel Champions with you. I can include my, uh, my hero decks and the villain decks. And in the bottom compartment, I can put all my little tokens that I need for you know, playing the game. But obviously if you're a magic player, if you're like EDH or a commander type decks, which require a hundred cards, if they're double sleeved, you got room to put them in there. Single sleeved, you could put a sideboard in there if you want. Plus in the bottom, you could put counters and stuff like for, you know, some dice for your counters or anything like that in that little bottom compartment. I think it's, it's a really cool solution. So now they have full solutions for holding a lot of games. They have a half size solution for holding fewer, fewer games. And then just for particular decks, 
they have the Citadel that's coming out. And this is kickstarting in January. Yes. Okay. So remember, you need to, there, you won't, there won't be a link on the show notes. You'll have to come back later. I'll have to come back later so everybody knows. But it's good that you're telling people to save their money. Because if you have a quiver, you might say, man, I'm tired of carrying this around. You need something smaller. Kind of like what Miniature Market did with all the board game bags. Well, the Bolt's available right now. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, you can actually go out to Amazon and get the Bolt. The Citadel is going to be the new Kickstarter that's coming in January. We're going to go somewhere else. What are we going to go to? You know where we're going to go? We're going to need some BGG badges. That's right. You do need this stinking badge. It is time to donate to that incredible site where we all go out there. We look for our reviews. We look for answers to our questions. They're doing their annual Fun drive. Fun to drive or fun drive, F-U-N. Either way, I know I need to donate. <laughs> either way. <laughs> I know it's not either way. I know I need to donate so I can get my little 19 badge to stick underneath my name. Mm-hmm. And also, they've added some special people there to the roster that I know they have some various needs. Because, you know, they're, they're up in Canada. So I need to support that. <laughs> Because they bring a lot of good content. Not saying who it is or anything. Actually, if you use the BGG site, give them $5, give them $10, give them $25, whatever you need to, just because just it is such a great site for us to go and get information. Yeah, and the cool thing is, is just for $15, you're going to get that supporter badge, which you can proudly wear. But you also get a lot of geek gold. Uh, if they meet their goals of the number of supporters they get, I, gosh, you get hundreds of geek gold, Tony. So if you're like wanting to buy some micro badges and stuff, this is the easiest way to get it. Just donate at least $15 to BGG, a site that I frequent. Tony, I probably go there about once a day just mm-hmm. to see what's going on. And it's been there for, can you believe this? 20 years. That's two zero. It's been around a very long time. Got multi-millions of, of users on it. So yeah, if you want to keep that site up and going and, uh, Show them a little love. Their pledge drive is going on right now. If you just go to boardgamegeek.com, it's right there on their front page. What else are we going to push? (laughs) (laughs) What else are we going to push? I don't know. We're not going to push anything else except the fact that we're pushing right towards uh, the holiday season. And as usual, every end of the year, Tony and I usually take like a little break. We're on a break. We were on a break. <laughs> okay. I was thinking we give our listeners a break. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> it's not you and I. We're trying to give their them a break from us. Yes. Can we go like one week without an episode from you guys? Fine. We're going to do that. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to skip our next uh, released week and we're going to push it into the following week. And that gives Tony to enjoy some time on vacation, enjoy our holidays. Tony, hopefully you and I can schedule some time to actually sit down and play lots of games that we can come back in January and talk about. And Tony, not before long, we're going to have to start working together and determine who's going to win our squirrelies for the year and start mm-hmm. getting that show set up. I need to contact the venue where we have it, make sure we can reserve it for February and uh, start calling guests and see if they want to come back this year. I know another time to get things moving. So, yep, we'll have to get the poll put up over on our guild so that people can vote on their favorite game of 2019 in the all y'all award that's going to happen. And who knows? <laughs> we know we already got one locked in winner right now. What game didn't make it to 2019? And that is Stronghold Undead. <laughs> I don't, I mean, we're not going to give, give him any slack. No. Here we go. <laughs> you know, he's, got, he's, he's secured the longest running squirrely for not producing a game. That could be the award. Stronghold Undead. 
Oh, your phone went off. I have an Alexa reminder that just went off. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is there a Hallmark movie coming on? Uh, no, I did ask Donna if she had watched uh, the Christian Chenoweth when I went out to get the city rules. And yeah. she said she had not seen that one. She was just watching Christmas in Rome. If she watches the Christian uh, Chenoweth uh, one, uh, tell her to keep an eye out for the Christmas tree lot uh, scene. That was filmed uh, here in Monroe. No, I we're giving away our old Christmas tree from the house. We're giving it, we're donating it to a family that needs a Christmas tree. So I have to go take this uh, artificial tree and put it in my wife's car so she can deliver it tomorrow. So that was my reminder. I'm glad Vanessa didn't know about that because she'd say, give us that tree. You would not want this tree. It is not pre-lit. Tony, most of ours aren't pre-lit. Oh man, you need to make it to Hobby Lobby and get you one. Well, uh, yeah, when you've got 15 trees... Prelits are expensive, man. We just do what we can do. <laughs> Sounds like you got a problem other than keeping rolling dice <laughs> and taking names. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you for all your support in 2019. If you want to, you can support the show at podpledge.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Dyson Names. Find us on our BGG Guild 1589, and we'll see, hopefully, all of you back in 2020. PortalGamesUS.com is where you can find all the newest releases from, obviously, Portal Games. But this may not have occurred to you. All those great expansions are coming out for Empires of the North. But you don't have the base game. That's a problem. You need to go solve that by picking up Empires of the North. Or better yet, like Marty said, you've got a bunch of Christmas parties going on and it is dragging. How am I going to entertain these people? Once again, go check out Portal Games and check out what Detective can do for you. There's the standalone version. You don't have to pick up the whole game. Ignacy is so kind and so generous with that that it'll give you the opportunity to test that one out with all your friends and family and who knows, you might end up ordering that Detective from PortalGamesUS.com. Music